In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Ephesians chapter 1 is a very important chapter in explaining our relationship with the Holy Trinity. St. Paul spoke about the relationship between us and the Father, and then relationship between us and the Son, and the relationship between us and the Holy Spirit. Then after this, he concluded the chapter with a very, very beautiful prayer that we as Sunday school servants, actually, we should pray this prayer for ourselves and also for our students. It's a very beautiful prayer. So, after the introduction and the greeting, the introduction, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus, and faithful in Jesus Christ. So that's the introduction. He's introducing himself and to whom this letter is sent, to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus. Then the greeting, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Then starting from verse 3, he starts to speak about Father, Son, Holy Spirit. All of them are 10 points. Let's discuss them. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So now he is speaking about the Father who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. That's our, the first thing. God the Father has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. How? In Christ. Christ is the Son of God. Christ is the heir of the kingdom of heaven. So the son became man. And one reason of his incarnation to be united with us, and we are united in him. Then when we are united together, all what the son has will be ours. As we say in Friday Theotokia, he took what is ours, and he gave us what is his. So all what the Son has becomes ours if we are united with him. That's why to explain it more, the Lord Jesus Christ described himself as the bridegroom, and who are his bride. Why? The two shall become one. So. If we are the bride of Christ, then we are one with Christ. Then once we are one with Christ, then we are the children of God the Father. Children of God the Father only if we are one with Christ. And as St. Paul explained in Romans chapter 8, if we are children, then we are heirs joint heirs with Christ. So whatever the Son will inherit, we will inherit in Him because we are 
one with him. So that's the first thing. God the Father has blessed us with every, please note the word every, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, how? In Christ. That's why he became man. That's a reason, a very important reason of the incarnation. Number two about the Father, just as he chose us in him, and he chose us in him, those who are united with him, with the Son, will be chosen. Based on the foreknowledge of God. God, in his foreknowledge, he foreknew who will accept the Son and who will be united with the Son. And those that God foreknew they will accept the Son and be united with the Son, the Father has chosen them. Before the foundation of the world. Based on what? Based on the foreknowledge. They have chosen us for what? When I choose somebody, I choose somebody for a certain reason. He chose us for what? To be holy and without blame before him in love. To be holy and without blame before God the Father in love. How? How we become holy and without blame? Can anybody say, I am holy and without blame before God the Father in love? My love is perfect to God and my love is perfect to one another? Nobody can say this. But again, the word, the key word here, chose us in Him. You know, when the Lord Jesus Christ went to John the Baptist, He told him, we ought to fulfill all righteousness. So, God the Son became man, and He fulfilled all the righteous requirement of the law. He fulfilled all the righteous requirement of the law. So that, when we are united with Him, His righteousness will be considered my righteousness. And I will be righteous before God the Father in Christ. This righteousness, the first time we receive it, we receive it after baptism or in baptism. Because in baptism, the person who is born from biological parents dies, dies in water of baptism. Then another person is created, born again from water and spirit. And this person is one with Christ. He is a temple of the Holy Spirit and one was Christ. That's why when you baptize somebody, we dress them in white. This white is the righteousness of Christ. That's why you have this red ribbon. And this red ribbon should be tied like the sign of the cross. To say through the cross and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, we received his righteousness to be my righteousness as a free gift. What if after baptism, as all of us, we commit sins? How can we handle this? Yes, there is second baptism, repentance. 
the father called about the repentance in the second baptism. In repentance and confession and communion, this white garment becomes renewed. Become renewed. I'm sure you remember in the book of Revelation when John the Beloved saw people walking in white garment and he asked who are they? And the answer, those who are washed their garment in the blood of the Lamb. So yes, in Him, in Christ, we will be holy and without blame in love before God the Father. And the church actually emphasizes this. At the end of the divine liturgy, the holy is for the holy. Yes, you are holy. Not because you are perfect, but because of the righteousness of Christ. Because I am one with Christ. But number one, he blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heaven. Number two, he chose us before the foundation of the world. He chose us in him, in Christ, to be holy and without blame and love. Number three, verse five, having predestined us, predestination, having predestined us to adoption as sons, by Jesus Christ, again by Jesus Christ, to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. So, the third thing, after he blessed us with every spiritual blessing, and after he chose us to be holy and without blame and love, he predestined us, he appointed us to, for adoption, to be children, that's why the catechumens were not allowed to call or to pray our Father who art in heaven because they are not children. But after their baptism, they can call God the Father, our Father, and pray our Father who art in heaven. We can pray it because we are baptized. And now God is our Father, but again by Jesus Christ, by Jesus Christ. Whoever separates himself from the Lord Jesus Christ, he is not blessed, he is not chosen, he is not a son or a daughter. Because all the, these things in Christ. That's why St. Paul said, our ministry is ministry of reconciliation. Be reconciled with God. Be reconciled with Christ. Because if you are separate from Christ, you lost all, all these privileges. Because these privileges only for those in Christ, in Christ. And the predestination based on the foreknowledge of God the Father, based on his foreknowledge, not partiality, not bias, but God the Father foreknew who will accept the Son, those he blessed them those he chose them to be holy and without blame, those he appointed them, predestined them to adoption to himself by Jesus Christ. Did anyone force God the Father to do this? No. That's why he concluded by according to the good pleasure of his will. That's his will. It pleases him to do this. 
It's his good pleasure. It pleases God to bless us. It pleases God to choose us to be holy. It pleases God to take us or appoint us to adoption. That's why now he concludes what he said about the father. After يعني, he finished about the father and about the son and about the Holy Spirit, he makes a zoxology. To the praise of the glory of his grace. To the praise of glory, Hatloha repeated three times. After he speak about the relationship with the Father and what the Son did for us and what the Holy Spirit did for us, after each passage, he will use the same word. To the praise of the glory of his grace. So, when we understand, when we comprehend the incomprehensible love of God, when we think about it, this should be turned into praise, to praise the glory of His grace. His grace, which is a free gift, not given to us because we are worthy or we deserve it. And, and His grace is glorious. That's why we praise the glory of His grace, by which He made us accepted in the Beloved. And that is the fourth thing. We are accepted before God the Father. We are not rejected. Yes, when Adam and Eve have sinned, they were kicked from the paradise. But now we are accepted. But again, see St. Paul very, very accurate. Accepted how? In the beloved. So as long as you are in Christ, you are accepted before God. Satan all the time. He wants us to believe the opposite. He wants us to believe that God is upset at me. God doesn't love me. God does not accept me. God is turning his face away from me. That's not true. As long as you are living the life of repentance and reconciled with Christ, then you are blessed with every spiritual blessing in heaven. You are chosen to be holy and without blame and love. You are appointed for sonship and you are accepted before God the Father in the Beloved. Now from verse 7 he will start speaking about the Son. And after he mentions these four things about the Father, speak about the Son. In Him, Him refers to the Son. In Him, we have redemption through His blood. His blood about the Son, not the Father. In Him, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace. So there are two things here, redemption and forgiveness of sins. Redemptions and forgiveness of sin. What is the difference between redemption and forgiveness of sin? Forgiveness of sin means the debt is forgiven. When God actually speaks usually about forgiveness, He used the example of death. I'm sure you remember in the Gospel of Second Watch of Midnight Prayer, a man has two debtors, one owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. So, when we commit any sin, we are in debt to God the Father. The Son paid this debt on my behalf. 
So I am forgiven. When the son shed his blood, then I am forgiven. And his blood is enough to forgive all sins for all people in all ages. Again, all sins, to forgive all sins for all people in all ages. طب what's redemption? Redemption اللي هي بالعربي الفداء. عارف لما تقع حاجة تتكسر وتقولك فداك؟ يعني ايه فداك؟ Redemption means you compromise something to save something else. So here the son actually sacrificed himself and the father was pleased to sacrifice his son. زي ما نقرأ in, in Romans chapter 8 he did not spare his son but he delivered us to save us. So redemption means the son sacrificed himself by his own will and the pleasure of the good father and the Holy Spirit in order to save us. So the son number one he redeemed us saved us by sacrificing himself. And number two, he paid the debt. So now you are forgiven. Once you go after repentance, you go to Abuna and Abuna prays absolution for you, خلاص. the debt is forgiven because Jesus Christ died on the cross. And again, why he did this? Not because we are worthy, not because we deserve it, but according to the riches of His grace. It is the grace of God that's glorious and rich. The grace of God is glorious and also rich. That's why we have all these blessings, redemption and forgiveness of sin. But somebody who is rich and, and he is, for example, helping the poor and the needy, Maybe he is wasting his, his money. معناها مثلا he is helping poor and needy but for example these poor and needy are drug addicts. So when he actually gives money to them he doesn't help them. He hurt them more. That's why in, in verse 8 St. Paul wants to explain that when God forgive us and when God redeemed us He didn't do it without wisdom, but which he made, verse 8, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence. God knows what he is doing. So, all these blessings are done with wisdom, not just one wasting the riches and the grace. No, he made to abound. So, there is a decision here to abound. The grace is abounding. As St. Paul mentioned in Romans, I think chapter 5, when the, the sin abounds, the, the grace abounds. I think 5 or 6. So, God gave us this grace abundantly. But He knows what He is doing. That's why He said, toward us in all wisdom and prudence. So the Son redeemed us and forgave our sins. Number three, verse 
having made known to us the mystery of his will according to the good pleasure which he purposed in himself. So he revealed to us the mystery of his will. His refers to whom here? To the Father. Yani the Son revealed to us, made known to us, the mystery of the will of the Father. And as he said before, this mystery according to his good pleasure. Nobody forced him to do this, but his love according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. The father decided this in himself, determined this in himself before the foundation of the world. What is, what is the mystery? El mystery, St. Paul, the son revealed to us this mystery. The mystery in verse 10, that in the dispensation or the economy of the fullness of time, yani at the end of the days, in the second coming of Christ, when we go to heaven, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. So that is the will of the Father. The Father wants everyone in heaven and on earth to be one in Christ. Why? Because when we are one in Christ, we'll be children of God the Father and we'll be one with the Holy Trinity. That is the will of God. We want to go to heaven just in order not to be in hell. And that's it. But God the Father has something beyond what we are looking for. God wants in the dispensation of the fullness of time, He gathered together in one, in Christ, all things together, the heavenly and the earthly. The church saw this in a prophetic way. That's why when he ascended to the heaven, we chant all the, during the apostles' fast, he made the two into one, the heavenly and the earthly. That is the, the dispensation, that is his will that will be fulfilled in the dispensation of the fullness of time. To gather together in, in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and on earth. Number one, Christ redeemed us. Number two, he forgave our sin. Number three, he revealed to us the mystery of the Father. What is the mystery of the Father? No, he wants to gather all things in one in Christ, heavenly and earth. Number four, in him, in Christ, also we have obtained an inheritance. In Christ we are eligible for inheritance because we are the bride of the Son. Being predestined, the Father predestined us according to the purpose of Him, according 
to his decision. No one forced him. According to the purpose of him, of the Father, who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So that is the will of the Father. Now he is executing this will and the Son became man in order for us to have inheritance. That, verse 12, we who first trusted in Christ, who first trusted in Christ by accepting him, we should be to the praise of his glory. That is the second zoology. After he finished what he spoke about the Father, he said, to the praise of his glory. Now, he is repeating again, those who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. We spoke eight points so far. About the Father, four points. He blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Number two, he chose us to be holy and without blame in love. Number three, he predestined us to adoption. Number four, we are accepted before God the Father. About the Son, Arba Hagat, four things. Redemption through his blood, forgiveness of sins. He made known to us the mystery of the Father, the mystery of the will of the Father, to gather all things in one, in Christ, heavenly and earthly. And number four, in Christ we obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of God, who works all things according to the counsel of His will. Hegba, from verse 13, speak about the Holy Spirit. Father, two points. Holy Spirit. Four about the Father, four about the Son, two about the Holy Spirit. In Him, you also, verse 13, you also trusted after you heard the word of truth. So, we trusted the Son after we heard the word of the Gospel, the Gospel of your salvation. God sent His Son to die on the cross and through his death and through his blood we are saved, we are redeemed, we will be raised, we will inherit the kingdom of God, we will be one with God the Father. After we heard this, we trusted, we trusted, we believed. So, in whom also, having believed, after you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of the promise. So the number one about the Holy Spirit, sealing us. The word seal has two meanings. Sometimes when you write a letter, you put your seal on this letter. This is a true document. And this is mine. So, when we receive the Holy Spirit, God the Father says, these are true sons. These are my sons. They have my seal on them. So, nobody can say, we are not. St. Paul repeated in more than one letter, the Holy Spirit bear witness that we are the children of God, because He is the seal. Like a seal has another meaning. When you see, for example, a box, 
nobody actually can open it. It's protected. So being sealed by the Holy Spirit, we are protected. We are children of God. Those who are in my hand, nobody can touch them. So we are sealed by the Holy Spirit. Satan cannot invade me or attack me unless if I allow Satan to do this. But I am sealed by the Holy Spirit. So in whom also having believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of the promise. Yani of the promise because the promise were the children of God that the promise will inherit the kingdom of God and also we will be one with the heavenly in Christ. The second point about the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the precious position to the praise of glory. So he is the guarantee. He bears witness who are the children of God. And if we are children, we are heirs. So the Holy Spirit is a guarantee. You received the Holy Spirit. So now you have the guarantee. When you buy something and then you have a warranty or, or a guarantee, the Holy Spirit is a guarantee. But then you will aim. Who is the guarantee of our inheritance? Until the redemption of the purchased position. Yani purchased position. Position now we belong to God the Father. He possesses us. We are owned by Him. We are His children. But how we became His children? Because He purchased us by the blood of His Son. That is the meaning of purchased positions. So, yes, now we are in position of God the Father. He is our owner. He is our father. We are his children. Because he purchased us by the blood of his son. So, the Holy Spirit is a guarantee. Until the redemption. Until the last day. In which the wedding of the Lamb. Until we are raised from the dead. And we, the inheritance, we will receive it. So he is a guarantee during our journey on earth until the redemption of the precious position. Again, to the praise of his glory. The sexology, as I told you, after he speak about each hypostasis, he concludes by sexology, to the praise of his glory. So when actually we gather in like in my, uh, midnight praises and, and to praise God, you need to have these points in your mind. Why you are praising God? Why you are saying holy, holy, holy? Why you are saying who is like you, O God, among the gods? Why you are chanting all this? Why you say for his mercy endures forever? Why you say praise him and exalt him forever? Why? For these ten reasons. The Father actually Father blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heaven. He chose us to be holy and without blame. He predestined us for adoption and he accepted us. The Son redeemed us and forgave our sins. Revealed the will of the Father that he gathered all things in one in Christ, heavenly and earth. And 
in him we obtained inheritance and the Holy Spirit he sealed us and he is the guarantee after explaining the relationship with the Holy Trinity he concluded with a beautiful beautiful prayer and as I told you we need to pray this prayer for ourselves for our families for our friends and also for our students verse 15 therefore I also after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints do not cease to give thanks for you making mention of you in my prayers with the responsibility you need to pray for your class by name name by name maybe you see deacons they see on the altar we have a list that has all the names of the, the servants in the diocese because we agreed that in every prayer we need to pray with, for one another by name name by name it's your responsibility as St. Paul said making mention of you in my prayer type what is the content of the prayer that's the beautiful prayer from verse 17 that God of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of glory may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him that's our hack that God may give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him unfortunately people now they try to discover God either through scientific method or either through books or through biblical criticism and they end up doubting God and doubting the word of God because you cannot know God through any of these methods the only way to know God is to have the spirit of wisdom and revelation as God said to Peter flesh and blood did not reveal this to you but my heavenly father it is a revelation if you have student in your class doubting the existence of God or attacked by thoughts of atheism this put responsibility to pray for them that God may grant them the spirit of wisdom and revelation in knowledge of him when we receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation which is the spirit of God in, know, in knowing him what will happen verse 18 the eyes of your understanding being enlightened so he is praying that they may receive the spirit of knowledge and wisdom and also that the eyes of the understanding may be enlightened satan darkens and blinds the eye of our understanding heaven declares the existence of god but people see all of this and deny the existence of God because the eyes of their understanding are not enlightened are not enlightened because they did not receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation then when my, the eyes of my understanding is enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling what is the hope of his calling what God called us to be united with him to inherit the kingdom of God and what are the riches 
of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. In order to explain this verse, I want to tell you a story, a real story actually. One of the youth one time came to me and he told me, Sayyidna, and I don't want to go to heaven. Heaven for me will be very boring. And I cannot stand in midnight praises for one hour. Like the, the praise continuously without ceasing. But the reason I say I want to go to heaven, because the other option is hell. But if there is a third option, I, I, I like to, to choose the third option. Arfin, why he is asking this question? Because the eyes of his understanding not being enlightened. See how St. Paul is dis- describing this inheritance. He behold that you may know what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in saints. So the inheritance that we will receive is a glorious inheritance. Not only glorious, but this glory is very rich. Nobody can comprehend it. St. Paul, when he comprehended, he said, that which our eye has not seen, nor ear heard, neither have come upon the heart of man. But if my eyes are not enlightened, I will say like this, brother, I don't want to go to heaven. It will be boring. Because I don't know the riches of the glory of the inheritance in the scenes. That's why he's praying for the spirit of wisdom. We need to pray for our children for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God, that the eyes of our understanding will be enlightened, that we know the hope of our calling, that we know the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. But usually Satan tell you it's not for you. Don't think that you're going to go to heaven. You have to be like Bob Krellos or St. Peter, the seal of the martyr, or you can be like St. George, or St. Mark, or St. Mary. When the eyes of our understanding will be enlightened, verse 9, we will know what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe. So, God will give us power. But see how he describes this power. This power is great. But he said, no, great is not enough. This power is exceedingly great. So, many times we don't know that the power that we receive from the Holy Spirit is exceedingly great. If you understand this, you will not say, I cannot overcome this sin. If you understand this, then through the grace of God, you can overcome any sin in your life. Because it is not you, it is the grace of God who granted you the exceeding great, the exceedingly great power toward us. But I will ask St. Paul, can you explain to me what is exceedingly great power? So he answered, according to the working of his mighty power. Who said, let us see the power of God, what God has done. And whatever he has done, he can do it for me, because he is able to do it. According to the working of his mighty power, 
which he worked in Christ. So the same power that worked in Christ can work in me too. How comforting when we know that the same power that worked in Christ can work in me too. This power, when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, so he can raise me from the death of sin. He will raise me at the end of the days from death. He will seat me with the Son in the heavenly places. He seated the Son far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that's named not only in this age but also in that which is come. Is that all what he did? The power, the exceedingly power, did with the Son? No. Something else. So not only he raised him and he seated him in the right hand, but in verse 22, and he put all things under his feet. So again, the same power can work in me and the same power can put all things under my feet if I am in Christ. Oh Jesus Christ who crucified, crushed Satan under our feet in our hymnology. Because the same power that worked in Christ can work in me. And give him, give Christ to be the head over all things to the church. So he is the head over all things to us, to the church. If he is the head and we are the body, then whatever belongs to the head is ours. He took what's ours and gave us what's his. To give him to be the head over all things to the church. So through this oneness, the same power worked in him will work me. The church which is his body. And very, very beautiful theological description. The fullness of him who fills all in all. So God fills all in all. God fills all in all. And we, the church, is the fullness of God. Sometimes when I read these verses, it is beyond our comprehension. Who can explain what does it mean to be the fullness? We are the fullness of God, God who fills all in all. But that is the hope of our calling. That's why I told you it's a very beautiful prayer. We need to pray it for ourselves and for our children to give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. That the eyes of our understanding may be enlightened. That we know the hope of our calling. That we know the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saint. That, the, that we know the exceedingly great power that's working in us. This power that's worked in Christ. Raised him from the dead. Seated him above all principality and all power and all might or dominion. Put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. So it's a beautiful prayer. So this chapter actually, it's befitting 
we reflect on it, especially during the Nativity, because we are celebrating the incarnation of the Son of God. The Son of God became man in order for us to enjoy all this blessing. Because if he was not incarnated, actually none of this blessing would receive. So that's the purpose of his incarnation. So to summarize, the Father actually blessed us with all every spiritual blessing, blessing in heaven. Number two, he chose us in the Son to be holy and without blame and love. Number three, predestined us for adoption. Number four, he accepted us. The Son, he redeemed us, forgave our sins, revealed the will of the Father that he wants to gather all things in Christ, the heavenly and the earthly, and in him we obtained inheritance. The Holy Spirit sealed us, and he is the guarantee. Then the prayer is praying that we receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation in his knowledge, that the eyes of our understanding may be enlightened, in order to know the hope of his calling, the riches of the glory of the inheritance of the saints, the exceedingly great power working in us, which worked in Christ, raised him from the dead, seated him in the heavenly places, above all principality, power, might, dominion, and every name that's named. He put all things under his feet, and he gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all. Glory be to God. Thank you.